0: on this season we're not going to be doing long intros anymore hopefully at this point you know what this project is about and all of the disclaimers therein. regardless you can check out the trailer for season three if you want to hear more rationale for what this season is about i am so glad to have sarah schwartz back on the podcast today guys we're going to be talking about modesty she has a lot to share on this topic We get a little heated at times, Um, we get a little frustrated with certain things, and Sarah uses some choice language, Um, nothing that I think is inherently wrong or bad, but something that might disturb you a little bit, something that might cause a little, something in you to be a little upset, but also if there's young children listening, or people who just may not be ready to hear some things about sexual assault, um, and and rape, and different things like that, then yeah, just turn off the podcast now, um, and go on with your day, but thank you, I'm excited to dive on in, so let's dive on in. hey everyone welcome back to another episode with the lovely sarah schwartz um and so before we even get into talking about modesty today I realized that the last time I had Sarah on, I am a complete jerk <laughs> and not thoughtful and not caring, and I did not have her explain herself <laughs> as who she is. You guys just heard, like, 35 minutes plus on Purity Culture, and you have no idea who it was coming from. She could be a murderer, for all we know. I
1: could have terrible theology. You
0: well, you are a woman in That's leadership, true. so there is a good chance. Um, yeah. But anyway, Sarah, can you just tell us, give us a snapshot of your life so they know who's behind the mic.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. S- so grateful to be back. Uh, and in the time that we're recording this, the first episode of the Hope Project just launched, and really excited about all the conversations that people are having about mm-hmm. it. I'm excited to listen to the rest of the episodes as they come out. My name is Sarah. I would Sh- be
0: excited too, but I've already listened to them yeah, a few you times, were there. so yeah. it's kind of annoying yeah. at this point. That
1: makes sense. Well, I'm excited, so maybe don't rain on my parade. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, so my name is Sarah Schwartz. I am originally from a town called McMinnville, Oregon. McMinnville. McMinnville. Everyone thinks that I'm making that up or that it's from a Dr. Seuss book, um, but it's real. Um It is about an hour south of Portland. I grew up there on a farm uh, that's been in my family for five generations. Um, Farm girl, farm girl, that's me. And I came to the big city to uh, go Mm. to Biola University. Mm. I had never driven on a freeway or pumped gas. Wow! Because that is not how you do things in Oregon. They have freeways. Probably not
0: the most exciting things to do in California because gas is so expensive and there's traffic. So it
1: felt exciting to me because it was like it was a whole new world. Um, Wow. And my life had been small until that point. Uh, no, it would have been great. So I went to Biola University. I graduated from the Communication Studies Department. Um, and then I attended Talbot School of Theology. And, nice. Yes. Our, our Well, almost our shared alma mater when you're done with school.
0: We don't need to tell them we don't where need I, talk I went about to school. It. Okay.
1: Um, it's fine. Your degree will count more than mine anyway. Um That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, So I have an MA in theology, um, and I currently live in Whittier, California.
0: Wow. You know what's funny is that Sarah actually has an MA in theology, which is the harder degree at our seminary. I got two MAs in pastoral ministry, Mm. (laughs) which is literally kind of a joke. Um, (laughs) I'm sure it's not a joke. (laughs) No, it's not. Uh, There's some great classes and some great professors. But anyway, so you should be trusting so much more, if you're listening to this, what Sarah Mm -hmm. has to say than what I have to say, unless it gets into, like, how to conduct a Bible study. Sure. Then I got you. Mm -hmm. Like, that is, I got
1: you. Anything having to do with authority or leadership, we'll just defer. But when we
0: get into Greek words later, we'll defer to you. Even (laughs) though I did take three years of it, I still feel like I probably know less than you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did do...
1: my final Greek exegesis class over the summer, like a moron. Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, you are an idiot. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about modesty. Okay. Um, we already kind of talked about it in purity culture, and it's come up on plenty of my episodes. Well, it um, is, it's,
1: it's it's an integral part of purity culture too. Yeah. So it's it's they're pretty tied. It, yeah, tied together.
0: Um, but it's it's got a little other facet to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but can you just tell us a little bit like what you were taught about modesty? I know you already told us what you were taught about purity culture, but like maybe just harp in on modesty.
1: Yeah. So like I said, um, in the other episode, I grew up going to Christian school K through 12, went to an evangelical university as well as seminary. So I feel like every spring from about the fourth grade on, um, we would have the talk where they would separate boys and girls. Um, and I, I can specifically remember in my, teeny tiny high school, all the girls being sent to the chapel to get the modesty talk as, you know, as it starts to get to maybe about 70 degrees in Oregon mm-hmm. and all of us who had been um, suffering from seasonal affective disorder for the past nine mm-hmm. months, all of a sudden we're getting like sun drunk because mm-hmm. we hadn't seen the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Oregonians, if it's like 70 degrees, we're like tank top, shorts, like this Which is Which in California best.
0: it's like sweatshirts, exactly. <laughs> Sparf, <laughs> pants, mittens.
1: So as soon as tank tops became uh, a viable clothing option, for the weather, uh, we would get our talk about um, what the dress code was at school, why we needed to mm-hmm. adhere to the dress mm-hmm. code, um, why our bodies and our clothing choices could really damage our guy friends and peers, and the ways that we could, with what we put on in the morning, could lead them into serious mm. sin. I was never a part of... I have no idea what the guys were being talked to about at this I don't, time.
0: I I mean... I've had, like, modesty talks. Well No, it's not modesty. It's bounce the eyes. It's yeah. focused on the girls. It's yeah. like, hey, girls are going to wear some stuff that's probably – hey, guys, you too, maybe you should think about what you're wearing, but <laughs> right. uh, we know you're going to be fine. It fine yeah, it's fine. Um, But it's like you, need, you just need to bounce your eyes, yep. and that's it. it.
1: Probably the most –
0: And uh, then we probably had pizza. Or yeah. something. Yeah. Or they're like, like well, it so was you, fun. You should wear deodorant. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe <laughs> like, you guys kind of stink, and then we all giggle, and then they make a poop joke, and then we eat pizza, and we call it a night. And they're
1: like, we have to kill some time because this yeah. talk that's going on with the girls is Yeah, Maybe is let's take play dodgeball or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. 100%. And actually, the last modesty talk I got was in seminary. Um, nice. It was in a class, and usually in my classes in seminary, I was one of about like three or four girls, <laughs> um, and the rest of the class was, was men, and um, I remember the professor talking about how um, – how even as men grow older, it's not just young men who struggle with lust, as he was talking about it, and how he, you know, knew of uh, several pastors who were honest with their struggles and didn't even know how to look at a beautiful woman without wow. lusting after her. And I remember thinking, "Am I invisible? Does does this <laughs> professor know that there are like three women in this class?" Trying to
0: drop hints to you guys, <laughs>
1: right? And but also like. That's maybe the most horrifying, like, Mm
0: -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. a terrifying
1: thing for him to convey. Um, And I don't say that in, like, a, oh, shame on him or shame on that person who that was true for. But it was like, wait, is that true? Like, any time a beautiful woman walks into a room, that's what men's response is. I'm sure we'll get into this later, but I have a lot of follow-up questions that had I been brave enough to ask this (laughs) professor, I would have asked, like, are you talking about attraction, which Mm -hmm. is different than lust? Mm -hmm. Because if you are attracted to beautiful women, we good. But yeah. anyway, so that was, it It lasted well into my 20s, um, mm-hmm. hearing how my outfit decisions uh, played a really big role in what men thought about women and thought about
0: me. Yeah. Was there anything positive <laughs> from <laughs> modesty growing up? Because, um, <laughs> like, my modesty talks pretty positive. You know, have you. some food. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Play some dodgeball.
1: <laughs> um, I think that maybe they could have been. I think there there might have been an angle that they could have had positive outcomes, um, had... But I think that a lot of my modesty talks just resulted in inadvertent sexual objectification, right? Mm-hmm. So... In trying to get us to dress modestly and not be, I mean, everyone loves to use the media as this boogeyman that is to blame for everything
0: fake news,
1: fake news, and you know, Victoria's Secret catalogs and like all this stuff, right? Saying that, oh, don't be how you know the world wants women to be, which is sexual objects and you know, constantly bikini clad and blah blah blah. But they were also making us understand that we were sexual objects we just needed to cover up so that no Mm -hmm. one would notice um we bought
0: into it we bought into it we were like oh no the media is so wrong but let's buy that lie Mm -hmm. and just put clothes around it let's just
1: make you feel really bad (laughs) about it because you have no autonomy you have no choice Mm -hmm. this is by merely existing what you are Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so so positives then it was great
1: (laughs) Uh, it was 100% great. It's I really do not good. have complicated relationship with how I see my body, and um, it's fine.
0: I'm glad we're just a positive, yeah. positive, 100%. modesty podcast. Okay. Um, we already touched on this a little bit, um, and we'll touch on it a lot more. Um, but <laughs> I asked this question, and we talked about it being kind of a, a softball question okay. just coming down. <laughs> I'm going to pitch is coming at you 50 miles per hour and which is really slow is really- for those out there <laughs> who don't follow person. baseball yeah <laughs> um because i don't want to alienate you hey, um if you don't follow but also you're right in not watching baseball because it's boring yeah. but yeah do you think <laughs> modesty has been focused more on girls than on guys
1: oh my goodness i've never thought about that before <laughs> um yeah i'm gonna go ahead and you know call me crazy uh, I'm going to say yes. Wow! That we have largely focused on modesty talks, uh, modesty books, modesty seminars, mm-hmm. modesty rules, even dress codes. And all
0: the covers of the books are pink, so you know who it's so addressed you know to. who it's
1: for. And usually it's white women on the mm-hmm. cover, um, which is also interesting that <laughs> mm-hmm. that is because uh,
0: they are the most sexual.
1: Mm, it's interesting because actually you'll read a bunch of a lot of different research and stories about how uh, we actually fetishize and like over-sexualize mm-hmm. women of mm-hmm. color partic- and even young women of color mm-hmm. um, are sexualized much earlier than their white counterparts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the people making money off of these modesty talks largely tend to be like white evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, yeah, we have focused on modesty for girls and and not for men, even though I know we'll get to what does modesty actually mean um, at some point. But I also think that that is largely because we have bought into the cultural narrative and uh, and slapped some Christian veneer on it and called mm-hmm. it holy. That women's bodies are all the time in all the spaces and places in which they exist, sexual objects. Yeah. Men's bodies get to have context. Uh, they get to be practical. They get to be useful. They get to exist in a bunch of different spaces. And an article that you and I uh, talked about earlier um, uh, talked about how. On the beach, you know, men can be showing as much skin as Channing Tatum in Magic Mike, um, <laughs> but no one seems to be that concerned about mm-hmm. it because it makes sense because you're yeah. on the beach mm-hmm. or if you're participating in athletics or, yeah. you know, X, Y, or Z. Men's bodies don't always exist in a space in which they're seen as sexual, but a woman's body is always, always seen as a sexual mm-hmm. object, mm-hmm. which is why it would then logically make sense that we would. Uh, Address modesty talks more primarily at women rather. Well, there's
0: not a place for women to show any more of their skin or their body without it being showing more sexuality. Right. For men, it's like I go on the beach and I take my shirt off once I get comfortable, you know, with my body because you know, (laughs) Italian man, you know, we're not great at you know trimming down our belly fat, (laughs) so we got good legs, but that's pretty much it Um, because we walk everywhere Mm because we're you know in the Italian hills, and so. When I go to the beach, it's just like, oh, wow, this is functional. Like, I take my yeah. shirt off and show more of my skin because I feel the the ocean breeze, or I'm about to go in the water, and I don't right. want to wear a lot of clothes because right. it's going to feel all gross when I come out, or I'm getting sweaty, and so I don't want to have more clothes making me hotter and warmer. But for women, it's like, oh, my gosh, have you seen? <laughs> right. <laughs> see that girl over there? Do you see how skinny her bikini is, mm-hmm. or do you see, wow, she's not wearing a one-piece. Right. Um, so maybe even let's dive into a little bit about church like church you ever go to like on a church beach trip i know you're from the northwest
1: yeah um first of all it's the coast in the northwest (laughs) not the beach um because it's freezing yeah and if you were maybe lucky enough to go on a trip to the beach on the three days out of the year that you Mm -hmm, could maybe be mm -hmm. in a swimsuit three
0: days of sun out of the whole year
1: like even when it's sunny at the beach it's still very cold Mm -hmm. so and also we've got that uh, pacific ocean coming off the coast of alaska so i don't recommend getting in the water because you'll (laughs) freeze but also, we had events where you could be in a pool swimsuit. Parties. It had pool parties. Yeah. Pool parties, whatnot. Um, yeah, it was always one pieces or, you know, mission trips that I went on. Um, if if you were bringing a swimsuit or there was a pool or whatever, um, it was always one pieces. Um, if, I'm pretty sure no boys ever got told what they were could or could not wear and then if you happen to be the girl who forgot that that was the rule you get to wear a t-shirt you get to wear a you get to wear a, a dark color t-shirt, t-shirt which also i don't know feels even if it's dark color feels counterproductive it just
0: feels slimy
1: it, yeah it's slimy and gross um but yeah so that was my um experience there it i know we talked about this in the last um podcast as well but I've been at church events where I wasn't in a bathing suit, but where my outfit was deemed mm-hmm. um, too immodest, uh, too revealing. Your shorts
0: were too short, right. or your my spaghetti straps low. were too spaghetti.
1: Right, and and as I reflect back on that, because several of those times happened when I was a minor, I'm very, I'm even more disturbed now mm-hmm. than I was then. Um, because you're
0: you're sexualizing a minor.
1: You're sexualizing a minor, um, which is troubling on a variety of levels, but then also You're sexualizing her in your own head and heart, but then you're communicating to her too early that Mm -hmm. she is a sexual object um, and making her feel shame about her body.
0: It's interesting that, okay, so society has this thing that sex is the best thing. It's Mm -hmm. the most important thing. And so sexual pleasure is the most important thing you can have. And so we market things by trying to provide sexual pleasure. And so that's why we have women models, the Carl's Jr. commercials, um, different things like that. And so the church saw that, and the response instead of saying, how about we think about women's bodies differently, mm-hmm. it was just to cover it up. Yeah. Um, and so when you, I think of some churches where it's like they have a pool party or something, it's like, hey, we don't want to be like these negative churches who are just telling women they have to cover up. So what we're going to do is we're going to tell the men to cover up too. <laughs> right. um, and
1: everything is fixed. Yeah, yeah. It's it, but it's the same thing, that yeah. the first
0: step. It's just step two where it's like, okay, That's bad. We shouldn't just, you know, be unequal towards women. We should Mm -hmm. have the men wear shirts too when they're swimming. Right. And it's like, okay, what if instead of we just keep on doing the same thing but in a different way, what if we think about in a completely different way entirely? Right. Um, Instead of just viewing it as like, okay, that's unfair to women, so let's cover the men too. Yeah. And it's like now no one wins.
1: (laughs) We have to go back even further and – say maybe some of our fundamental assumptions about this conversation are wrong.
0: Oh, good segue. Good (laughs) segue. So, with that awesome segue, um, what does the Bible say about modesty, Sarah? Let's break out your Greek lexicon. Oh, yes, and Greek all lexicon. of your your Greek adverbs and past participles. Oh my goodness! And can you explain to us what what actually is modesty in the Bible? Because the Bible talks about modesty. We're not right. here saying that the Bible doesn't talk about oh, modesty. No, it the Bible does absolutely does. Yeah, and so it's something that we should follow. If yeah. the, when the Bible lays out what modesty is, we should seek to follow it. So, right. what exactly is it, though?
1: So. First, I'll go into what we've largely uh, agreed, what we think the Bible says about modesty or what Mm -hmm. the the general consensus is, Um, largely in conversations in Western evangelicalism that center around modesty. Modesty is um, covering up your body, usually women covering up their bodies, so men won't have bad sex thoughts. Nice, right? So you should cover up so that men. Can we have
0: good sex thoughts? Um,
1: only <laughs> in the context of marriage.
0: So um, if I like, wow, she's really hot. I want to marry her. Is that okay? we'll get into that later uh,
1: <laughs> but w- the ways that we talk about modesty is that it is women's responsibility to cover up or mm-hmm. else men will be forced to lust after them i will have to i will have to um and we'll get into this later but we don't distinguish between what's the difference between sexual attraction and lust so it's very complicated and messy and everyone is using these terms pretty much none of them mean what we think they mean but the bible does talk about modesty um and in the So in particular, I think of a passage in First Timothy where Paul is writing to the church and he's talking to he's talking to men and women in the larger context of this passage. Um, And actually in First Timothy three, I believe the next chapter over, he uses the same greek verb for modesty but he's actually talking to men about their conduct Mm -hmm. in the church but in Mm -hmm. in the particular passage that a lot of people cite where paul talks about um women not braiding their hair wearing gold and pearls dressing modestly adorning themselves adorning themselves right but instead they should you know dress modestly etc etc um that greek verb actually uh, refers to orderliness or Mm -hmm. um humility or um, what
0: is the greek word
1: of course you were gonna ask me this. It's comes it's derived from, it's from cosmos.
0: From cosmos.
1: Cosmos, but I can't remember I don't know what the It's
0: it's it's rooted in cosmos is universe. Right. And so it's rooted in universe and the universe was viewed as this orderly right. kind of thing. So when God orchestrated the universe as an ordered process. Right. So when he uses the variation of cosmos, which was like cosmonia or something weird. Something like that. Um he's talking about, hey, where it like be in an ordered way. He's talking about orderly Mm -hmm. ways of wearing apparel and clothes. Which,
1: if you're looking at the context of Paul's letter and even um, the main points of that chapter, Mm -hmm. makes the most sense Mm -hmm. when you're trying to understand what the passage Mm -hmm. is talking about. So largely, what Paul is addressing is wealthy women who are flaunting their status, flaunting their class and their wealth in um, a church where the most scandalous, wonderful thing about, um, the early church was that it was a gathering of a bunch of people who did not belong together, mm-hmm. um, who were different races, who were different socioeconomic statuses, who had different faith backgrounds, people who had every reason to mistrust, even revile each other. were coming together in this tremendous, um, act of unity, which was the Lord's mm-hmm. supper, right? Mm-hmm. Which was table fellowship.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: that is, that is the primary scandal of the early church.
0: Well, because it's tied to when when Paul talks about kind of the rich people waiting for the poor people right to eat the meal in First Corinthians and because these rich people are getting drunk before the mm-hmm. poor people get off of work yeah so these poor people are showing up because they had to work all day the rich people didn't yeah. and they're showing up the food's already eaten mm-hmm. and the wine's already drank and so it's creating this class division within right. the church and Paul's like cut that crap out right now yeah and so he's big on order and so it's the same thing with this modesty um, right and
1: in that in that uh, in that passage you were talking about he says you eat and drink judgment on yourselves yeah. um, so Paul is big on order he's big on unity not uniformity in that oh we're all the same and we're going to pretend mm-hmm. that we ha- don't have these differences but in in making sure that no one's status or social identity is keeping them mm-hmm. um, at, a, at a in a lower position or at mm-hmm. a place uh, where they're not receiving as much dignity or respect um, as one of their brothers and sisters and what
0: he's doing is he's saying this is what society is viewing you as mm-hmm. this is like low people poor you are the lowly. Yeah. Rich people, you're the highly. And he's saying, "Don't yeah. be like society." I'm giving you a new order, yeah. in a sense, which is again, if you think of like what we were talking about with like, "Hey, society saying women's bodies are inherently mm-hmm. sexual," yeah and I think Paul's advice for the church is like, "Don't buy into that." Yeah. I'm giving you, give you a new order. When we just bought into it and put some clothes over it, right? Uh, but keep going. What? So what is he getting at with modesty? So
1: I think. Uh- a lot of what he's getting at in that passage, and largely when you look at Scripture and the the passages that talk about modesty, are almost always talking about materialism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of um, Jesus saying, you know, it's easier for uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven, mm-hmm. and is constantly warning us about how... Um, the desire for money and the security and status that money offers us is constantly going to be uh, fighting for our affections. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think Paul is getting at, at that when he's telling these women to, um, to be humble um, and orderly and respectful in the way that they are um, dressing largely because they were flaunting their wealth.
0: Yeah. So, if that is what modesty is, yeah. um, before we get into what we have made modesty to be in now, mm-hmm. how does that then apply to our lives now? So if we want to live out a good biblical ethic on modesty. What does that actually look like in the modern era?
1: Right. So I think of first, I think we all need to be self-reflective in, OK, what are the ways that I've been granted or that I have privilege in this life? Right. Mm-hmm. So um I am a white woman in the United States in a certain, um, tax bracket, right? And Mm -hmm. so I have to be aware of the ways in which I'm privileged and making sure that I'm not flaunting that privilege, that I am not living or conducting myself in such a way that brings shame Mm
0: -hmm. upon,
1: um, others who have different social identities Mm -hmm. than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I need to be self-reflective in that. I, I also think about, you and I were talking about a little bit earlier, um, Uh, communities that buy into the prosperity gospel that say that you know if you live in the right way and god is pleased with you it's going to result in Mm -hmm. these material blessings which Mm -hmm. is simply antithetical to the to the message Mm -hmm. of the gospel and it's
0: reinstituting a class system because those who are more holy Mm -hmm. you now distinctively see it because they have more money right those who are less holy you distinctively see it because they have less money so it's recreating a class system right. um, that we had first abolished in the church.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and I think, too, the the underlying attitude of all those things is that these things, this money, this status, this privilege, make me more important than mm-hmm. my brother or sister in Christ who doesn't mm-hmm. have those things. Um, so I think the attitude that needs to be practiced um, and that we attempt to live into um, as members of the local church is when we all come to the table hopefully every Sunday or every month or whenever your church does communion. And mm-hmm. it is this radical act of solidarity with each other um, that those of us who are privileged in certain ways, remember that in the kingdom of heaven, the last will be first and the poor are blessed. And those without privilege are reminded that we are all equally in need um, mm-hmm. of of the bread and of the cup and that um, that God shows no favoritism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's actually a really powerful Paul's instructions to- towards modesty are really powerful uh, launching points for us to reflect on what what are my areas of privilege how am I working to give it away how am I working to honor those um, around me who don't have those things and how am I um, how am I standing in solidarity recognizing <coughs> my own need for Jesus mm-hmm. and for what my brothers and sisters have to
0: teach me mm-hmm. about him and this definition I mean a biblical definition I think is This is why Preachers and Sneakers Mm. I think is a really important account. Yeah. Something that I thought of like five years ago. I'm like, (laughs) man, I was really I'm like, man, I should like start posting Instagram and I missed my chance, Sarah. So now I'm just making a sex podcast. Um, that's that's (laughs) my outlet. Sorry. Yeah. I I went from posting about shoes to posting about sex. So anyway, but regardless of how you feel about it, regardless if you think it's a pastor's choice of style or if it's a pastor's choice of you know, he's only spending he's spending five hundred dollars on shoes, but He's not buying a Lamborghini. It's just that's his one, you know, his little guilty pleasure. Um, I I mean, to get into more opinions, I take a more hardline stance on that. And I think what it's doing is calling out pastors who are living immodestly. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you are a pastor you are representing the local church body. Mm-hmm. You are the, the representative for new members. You are representatives for people who are coming in from a lower class. Yeah. So if you are wearing your Jordans that are $1,300 from the stage preaching about God's love, then someone who comes in from a lower status is going to see that and just be like, oh, I don't belong here because yeah. I, I don't fit into that class. I can't afford those right. Jordans. And now, yes, there's style and there's preference, and I get that. Sure. Um, and so I want to be nuanced on it. But... I think that's what Paul's actually hitting yeah. on. He's saying, hey, don't adorn yourself. They're t- he's talking about pearls. He's not saying they all bought huge five-story mansions. Right. He's saying you're just showing your wealth by what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Now, even if they didn't have that wealth behind the scenes, he's saying how you are presenting yourself mm-hmm. immodestly to the church is actually hurting yep. that unity you're talking about mm-hmm. um, and creating a class system because it's like, man, I want to dress like pastor. I'm not going to use any names. <laughs> yeah, <don't>. <laughs> <laughs> pastor so-and-so right. from, you know, church of the city of all nations, people, God. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, I can't, I can't dress like that. Yeah, I can't, I don't fit in. Mm-hmm. I can't wear hipster clothes. Yeah. I can't. We, you know, wear the long tees and the joggers with my Jordans, right. and you know my my big chain necklace that has a cross on it, so it's about Jesus, but right. it also costs <laughs> right. five hundred dollars. Yeah, and so I think that's what Paul's talking about. Yeah, he's talking directly to now we can figure out style and intention. Sure. Um, but he's talking directly to those who are trying to flaunt mm-hmm. their wealth and are not seeking to lay down their privilege, yeah. even if they have money, um, to create unity, right. um, but rather creating disunity.
1: And and like always. Um, paul is bringing us back to the attitudes of our hearts mm-hmm. right um, because it's possible to to um I think what he's trying really trying to get at with these women is their desire to make themselves seem grand or more mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. than their brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in their church community right mm-hmm. we always want to make it about these outward expressions which are important and we need to talk about um, mm-hmm. and and rules that you know we should Mm -hmm. A bye-bye and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of that is meaningless if our posture towards our brothers and our sisters is not one of humility and not one of um, seeking to see Jesus in them Mm -hmm. and learn about Jesus through them.
0: Well, it's like you were talking about before you recorded where you were at a church where the titles are very important to them. So even if that guy was wearing Crocs (laughs) and a Hawaiian T-shirt and cargo shorts. Right. um, So he's not showing, like, status. Um, but the intention of his heart then, when you say, "Hey, John," and he's like, "Well, it's Pastor John." Yeah. To you, yeah. The, that's <laughs> where the, the <laughs> young lady stop making me stumble. Uh, put a put a sweater on. How dare you? Uh, but I that's what you're saying here. It's it's the intention and posture, um, and that can be that can play out in different ways. So even if you aren't displaying wealth right. in terms of clothing, mm-hmm. I think Paul would still have a condemnation against you Absolutely. if you're like carrying, you're kind of walking through church. All braggadocious, like where it's like I'm, I'm the pastor here, so like right. I don't have time to talk to you, or like I'm better than you, I'm above you. They never say that, obviously, because right. they're pastors, sure. but you know, pastors carry that that kind of level. They can, for sure. um. Anyway, so if if that's what modesty is, mm-hmm. then clearly we've gotten wrong when we use that term modesty in the modern era, um, but. What if they're what the modesty's trying to get at? It's the right thing, but it's the wrong name. We gave it the wrong title. Yeah. Um, so what if we're we still should be telling girls they need to cover up and they're sexual or whatever. Um and is just the wrong word, but it's still a good principle. We just had the wrong word. Um so maybe let's dive into what actually we're referring to often when we're talking about modesty. And I think I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but I think it's lust. But I want you to you to answer.
1: Yeah, so the conversations we've been having have been uh have been cover up so that men don't stumble. That's
0: time. what modesty is, quote unquote. Right, right. But that's, that's how we. That's yeah, how we've been yeah. talking
1: about it. Um, I think it's also really important to recognize here that we have not made any room for anyone who is not heterosexual in these conversations <laughs> um so anyone who is same-sex attracted uh, we don't
0: there's not gay people oh, in the right, church right. we don't need to talk about it right
1: we make absolutely there's no narrative about you know if you're same-sex attracted if you're homosexual if you're bisexual like the, yeah. the, we have uh, essentially erased mm-hmm. those existences mm-hmm. from this narrative mm-hmm. um but are we
0: reinstituted so just quick story we've reinstituted it because i have a few friends who are gay yeah and have come out to their churches. And so they're scared about putting them, like if they're a youth leader, yeah. putting them with their boys yeah. in a cabin, yeah. because of the sexual yeah. objectification. So we even we even for churches who are understanding that there's gay people in their communities right. are taking it and placing it. Yeah,
1: we're putting uh, this broken. Yeah, um, they're just
0: taking a system and just morphing it into different things. And
1: really damaging people. Um, wow, that's so <laughs> she can
0: sing too, guys. <laughs> not only has a master's in theology, but... Whenever
1: I get really upset about things, I do, like, who's that character? Tom Haverford. No, not Tom Haverford, (laughs) but the other one, his friend on Parks and Rec. Uh, John Ralphio. Yeah, John Ralphio. (laughs) That's always the mode I go into when I just can't handle how bad something is. Sing
0: to avoid pain. (laughs) Which is probably what a lot of artists do. I mean, that's why all of our songs are sad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Taylor Swift's album, new album, so good. Um, But it's her sad albums that are really great. So... Largely, uh, we have been operating under this idea that if girls just cover up enough, boys won't lust after them. Yes, um, which... true. <laughs> <laughs> Pasco <go>, collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> um, which is simply not true. Now, first of all, I think that we have done um, the church a grave disservice in not defining what lust is. Um, Ooh,
0: second redefinition second on the redefinition same podcast.
1: Then. Um, So lust is not sexual attraction. To be sexually attracted to someone is a biological chemical response that your body is designed to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, That is not wrong or bad. That Mm -hmm. is part of being human. Um, What lust is... Now, sexual attraction can be a catalyst for lust, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Mm -hmm. Lust is desiring to take someone's image... Um, body and body for your own selfish consumption when you are not in a relationship with that person you do not have that person's consent Mm -hmm. um, and when you are looking to dehumanize that person and and own their body for your own selfish ends so those are two very different things and I think we have raised generations of young men thinking that anytime they're sexually attracted to someone Mm -hmm. they're committing lust
0: anytime I see a sexy shoulder coming out of a tank top it's
1: the shoulders man they'll get (laughs) you every time i honestly i have a memory of uh, a principal of mine in the school i grew up in giving the weirdest modesty talk about how the most alluring part of a woman was her shoulders and being like i'm 15 and i'm pretty sure this is like i don't know much about much but this feels
0: and you're like actually modesty is about uh status and showing how wealthy you are (laughs) let
1: me talk to you about the it's from
0: cosmon
1: (laughs) but also um which is also ridiculous when you think about how, like, what is modest is, is so defined by time and culture uh, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There are, there's not a set of rules that apply to all times, cultures, and, and mm-hmm.
0: places. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because let's, let's, I mean, when Jesus or Paul or anyone's talking about lust... There's a good chance, maybe unless they were in Egypt, I mean, I haven't done an extensive study on the cultural garb right. of the first century in the Middle East, but I'm assuming they were way more clothed mm-hmm. than how we are today. Yeah. So when he's talking about he's not talking about someone who's exposing their shoulder. Right. Um, it's a different kind of gaze that right. he's talking about with lust. It's not just, I see skin. Right. <laughs> therefore, that is lust. But he's Because they might not have even see seen skin. So he's talking about a different kind of gaze.
1: Absolutely. And so when we understand the difference between sexual attraction and lust, that lust is a choice that you make, mm-hmm. um, then we can kind of backtrack and say, okay, well, there's literally nothing a person can wear that can make someone else decide to lust. mm mm-hmm. um, Lust happens with towards women who wear burkas, and it happens mm-hmm. towards women who are in string bikinis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have we have by not uh, making that clear, we have raised generations of young women to think that they are responsible for another person's sin,
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: their bodies are inherently bad and mm-hmm. are so powerful that they can make someone do something they don't want to do. And that is bananas Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. has caused has caused women (laughs) to have to
0: use bananas
1: (laughs) i'm trying to use crazy less um so that's my that's like my synonym that i've got um but we've caused women to have disjointed relationships with their own bodies Mm -hmm. and um shameful relationships because women see their
0: bodies either sexual right or basically non-existent right when me as a male it's like when i'm thinking about when i wake up in the morning And I'm like, hmm, what should I wear today? Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about women Mm -hmm. and what they might see me. Well, I mean, you might unless it's like, well, I got a new pair of pants. Maybe Jenny will like me now. Sure. but I'm thinking about, like, okay, hey, well, what do I have to wear today? Do I have to wear pants or do I have to wear shorts? Is it more casual or is it more formal? Right. Or I'm thinking, like, what's comfortable? Um, and that's it. Those are the only two questions yeah. that come through my mind. But that's because I have been taught that, like, my body is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it is practical. It is functional. It is strong. It is, like, all these things. And yeah. so I don't have to think about, like what is like, what am I wearing today that might be too sexy? (laughs) Right. Like, I I don't have to think that.
1: You don't have to think about that. And uh, I remember my first job out of college, like my first big girl job, um, I, the the whole first week that I was working in this office where I'd been hired, I was having a low-grade panic attack the entire Mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not because of anything anyone in that office did or said, but because I had had experiences where, um people had talked to me about how I'm I'm just gonna say it because my body is good and it doesn't have to be sexual all the time. Like I have a large chest mm-hmm. and so I was sure that someone was gonna come up to me and say, You really need to reevaluate the business casual tops you're wearing <laughs> because it had happened to me before. I'm uh-huh. uh-huh. um, wearing something that is perfectly under, you know, our western. And, standards, like if a guy has so a like,
0: large chest, it's like, Oh, he must work yeah, out. He, like, w- oh, that's a good thing about his lift, body. Bro? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um and I had a low-grade panic attack that whole week because I was so sure, just because in business casual attire, a large chest is always going to be a large chest. There's no mm-hmm, hiding it. Mm-hmm. That someone was going, to, that I was going to relive these moments I had in my youth, where someone, you know, pulled me out of class or pulled me into in a corner to say, like, "Excuse me, can you maybe rethink <laughs> your outfit?" <laughs> da da da. Um, and so I think about it in all the places and spaces that my body takes up. Like I, I can think of, I went to seminary for four and a half years because I was working full time and. Um, I would subconsciously wear clothes that hid me Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't want to remind anyone in the room that I was a girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was one day where I went right from work to class and I had kind of forgotten when I was getting ready and I was wearing a dress and I was wearing lipstick. And I remember thinking, Oh no, Uh, like I have to go to class.
0: after." And you're going to make pastors. And
1: I, it wasn't even so much that it was because it was modest enough to go to work, but Mm -hmm. it was like, don't remind them that you're embodied in a female way, mm-hmm. because that disqualifies you mm-hmm. from seminary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, to to be embodied in a female form is is problematic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just I can't I just can't even relate like at all. Yeah. Like it's a completely foreign thought process. And the more I've talked to women, it's more. It's just like yeah. We all think about this almost every day.
1: You don't walk to your car at night with your keys between your knuckles?
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of things that I don't think about. um, My privileges. And I'm going to lay those down for the sake of modesty. Thank you. Um, But it's it's just hilarious because I have this friend. He's a classic example of the functional or comfortable Mm. uh, dichotomy for for men in in clothes. Um, His name's Sam, and he's going to listen to this at some point. Hi, Sam. Um, Hey, Sam. Um, But he literally, if he's not going to his accounting job, Then he is wearing basketball shorts and like a a soft cotton Mm t-shirt. His only two outfits are like the dress up for work and the chill, like not work. And so it's crazy that women, it's like you have to be thinking in every situation Mm -hmm. and every occurrence. Am I gonna cause either someone to view me the wrong way? Yeah. Um. Whether that's just even unprofessionally. Yeah. Um. Or are they gonna lust after me? Am I giving off signals that I want to date them right. or that I'm interested or that I'm looking? And like that's just not a thought. And I think it's because it's wrong. That's guys feel sexual attraction from looking at a woman. Mm-hmm. Um. If they are heterosexual, that just and that's just happens. Fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. It's a good thing. Yeah. But that can. Literally, a girl can wear anything, mm-hmm. and a guy, if he wants to think she's attractive or his, his eye just catches her, he will think she's attractive. It doesn't matter if she's wearing a sweatshirt yeah. or wearing a tank top. Yeah. Um. And so that can't be the part that's a sin. Right. That just can't. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter what she's wearing, right. I'm going to think she's hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just how it is. Yeah. And so, even, I hate the word hot. I, I hate <laughs> that I just used that. Um, but for the sake can, of the yeah, podcast. The yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, but the the blame then mm-hmm. is on the women. Right. It's it, Paul, I mean, in if you think of like Christian culture, like men be leaders, be strong, mm-hmm. be courageous. Oh, you're warriors. You, know, your you yeah. are you are but then as soon as it comes to a woman's body, I have absolutely no leadership, yeah. no courage, like courage, you no the strength. Fruit of the you don't, I don't have the spirit because you don't have I don't have the fruit of the, yeah, I don't have self-control mm-hmm. and it's like we teach our men to have self-control in almost every other area. Yeah. But then when it comes to sex, it's all of a sudden, it's not really a self-control thing. It's just kind of a maintenance thing, and it's right. a girl's fault.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because the to the leap from, oh, you were wearing a revealing shirt, and it made him lust after you, to, oh, you were wearing a short skirt, so what choice did he have but to rape you is mm-hmm. a very short
0: it's leap. Not, it's not a big leap.
1: It's not a big leap at all. And mm-hmm. so we are actually reinforcing rape culture. Mm-hmm. by telling young women that they are responsible for men's choices we are also communicating to young men that they are base creatures who um don't have the capacity for empathy or self-control which is not been the case of men i have known mm-hmm. and loved in my life um i i always like to say that i mean it's no uh, secret that i'm a feminist um but that my feminism is largely informed by the wonderful men that I have in my life because mm-hmm. I don't buy into the narrative that says that, you know, boys will be boys, which is usually boys will be terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that men are human in the same Way that women are human. And, and
0: men are just as dehumanized as women are. It's just in a different... In different ways. In different right. Ways. They lose their
1: humanity in a uh-huh. different way here. We don't
0: have any emotions. Right. We don't feel pain. Yeah. We don't feel hurt. Right. Um, and you
1: can't control your body. mm mm-hmm. um, So I think it's really important that we shift the narrative about modesty because we are actually reinforcing a narrative that blames women for violence perpetrated against them
0: well it's like if i'm walking to a restaurant let's say at nine o'clock to meet a friend and i was checking my phone because i got a text and it's an iphone it's an iphone 7 so it's not that new it's not that cool <laughs> and i probably i'm actually leaving apple after this because it's consumerism yeah. um but anyway say i do that and three guys come up from behind the dumpster because that's a prototypical, prototypical scene, and they beat the, the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to swear. No, <laughs> I have not sworn. I haven't sworn <laughs> yet on the podcast, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm doing good so far. Um, so they beat the absolute crap out of me, mm-hmm. and they just do that. Not for a second would anyone blame me because, oh, you're carrying too expensive of a phone, right. that it's somehow your fault.
1: You had it out in the open. Yeah.
0: Maybe next time, don't have a phone. Yeah. No one would say that. No one. But it's, it's the same thing, and uh, people who would say it's not, no, how dare you say that some of my modesty codes leads to rape culture. It's like, if you can't see Mm -hmm. the slight jump, it's not like you're saying it's not big, then you are perpetuating rape culture. Um, You are helping Brock Turner's go free um, because Brock Turner's a good kid, Um, and maybe he was a good kid in some capacities, but he wasn't here at all. And he deserves to be punished for that because if that happened once, that means it's in him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just enrages me that we blame women, Mm -hmm. that we accuse women, that it's their fault. um, When Who is the one that's the perpetrator? You are literally, it's the man who's being the physical one. Mm -hmm. He's the one that's aggressive. He's all these things. And it's somehow, well, if you didn't wear a skirt... She would have probably been raped if she had a sweater on. Right. If she was wearing full-on pants. And girls have been for centuries. Women in
1: burkas have been yes. sold into sex
0: slavery. So the idea yeah. that it's somehow your clothes. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a that brings the, the strength of why we're talking about this. Because it's like, okay, at the end of the day, it's just clothes, Sarah. Right. right. Why does this matter? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it matters. That's why it matters. Um, exactly. Yeah, I'm frustrated. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's yeah, it's very it's very important to talk about, um, especially in the era of Me Too and Church too and, and just in the same ways that purity culture is not unique to Christianity in that purity culture exists a, yeah. the world over. There's non
0: Christians that are saying it's because of what she was wearing. Oh, it's not just Christians that are doing this. Right.
1: It's I mean, it was only in recent history that you know, rape shield laws went into effect which mm-hmm. meant that uh, defense attorneys couldn't ask women who'd survived sexual violence Mm -hmm. about their sexual history um, on the stand um, in order to say that either she wasn't assaulted or she deserved to be assaulted. So this is a systemic problem no matter Mm -hmm. where you go. But it is particularly dangerous dangerous in Christian circles because we have stamped it with the approval of God.
0: Yeah. And that's the difference. Because schools, I mean, your principal is making you go home because of, like, my sister got sent home all the time. And she wasn't even wearing that immodest, quote unquote, of clothing. Yeah. And so schools are doing it too. Mm-hmm. Secular, it's 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 in the culture. Yeah. But the difference is, is when you tell people God mm-hmm. thinks you're sinning yeah. by wearing that. God hates your body. Mm-hmm. God thinks you're either inherently sexual or you're inherently sinful. Right. Those are the two options. That adds an extra weight of guilt, mm-hmm. <laughs> an extra weight of yeah. shame, um, an extra weight of like you just have to go throughout the rest of your life just being terrified mm-hmm. of you can't interact with men without – immediately becoming something that you've done wrong. Mm -hmm. That you literally could be the most holy, pure, righteous person and it's still your fault. Um, And even for girls who aren't the most holy, righteous or pure, it doesn't mean it's their fault either. No, Um, Which is exactly what you're saying. Okay, so Let's move. Let's move towards the end here. Let's get out of the anger, <laughs> and we don't just want to deconstruct and talk about bad things, because right. um, we have enough podcasts that are doing that, and I love them, yeah. but also hate yeah. um, that they're giving us nothing to work with after they destroy yeah. things. So, if you were talking to girls today, because it, honestly, the modesty talk really ends after twenty five. It's still subconsciously there. Yeah. Um, I think it's still very much embedded, and it's still embedded in like rape culture sure. and different things. But the in fr- terms of formal teaching. Um, it probably ends around 25, yeah. I would assume after the end of like seminary college. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to, to women? And let's not say about modesty because we already know modesty is not about how well, you're dressing. Yeah. So how would you tell them like if I was speaking with a couple yesterday and talking about this podcast um, and they're like, well, what do I wear then? Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. What? So what would you say to them? What should What should they wear, quote unquote? Right.
1: Right. And that, that's a really good question that I think a lot of us who – so when you take away the dress code, uh, then what are the rules? Yeah. And uh, we want to be told – And if I don't have rules, then I can't I, I, can't, I can't function. function. Um, we, because it's easier to be told here's the set of rules than it is to adjust the way that you view your fellow man. Um, it's a taller order to mm-hmm. adjust the posture of your heart. So I think that, first of all, we tend to assume that whatever our experience in the world is, is that, like, that's a universal experience. Like, I live in 2019 Southern California, which is even different from 2019 Minneapolis, Minnesota, (laughs) like, let alone 1847 Asia, you know, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, there, which mm -hmm. is not – like, I was saying to you earlier, um, my psychiatrist is an Indian-American woman and – All of our appointments, she is in a sari and her midriff is showing, and she's like a 65 year old woman, Mm -hmm. and it's not a sexual thing because culturally that is
0: that's the cultural garb, that's the cultural
1: garb, right? So, it's important to remind ourselves, like, oh, okay, like, I like nothing about like nothing exists in a vacuum, right? Like, everything is culturally influenced. Um, so I think it's important maybe rather than to ask the question, what should I wear, but how am I viewing myself mm-hmm. and how am I viewing other humans, mm-hmm. other people? Because I think of in my own time, um, I mean, I'm not that old, I'm only 28, but uh, <laughs> in my time growing up in evangelicalism, I've definitely been the modesty police. Like mm-hmm. I've definitely held attitudes of being morally superior to Mm -hmm. the girls who are Mm -hmm. wearing things that I wouldn't wear Mm -hmm. so I think the first question always has to be like what am I doing about myself and Mm -hmm. my attitudes towards Mm -hmm. myself and towards my brother because if you're
0: if you're judging another girl for what she's wearing that Mm -hmm. probably means you already judged yourself right Um, because most of the time hateful thoughts towards others starts with a hateful thought towards ourselves
1: absolutely Um, so I think we need to start there but also when it comes to clothes wear what's Culturally appropriate, right? yeah. Which is or what be, the occasion calls for, or what the occasion calls for. Like I'm, I w- was never gonna show up to my seminary classes in my swimsuit, but I was gonna roll into them in my yoga pants because it was a nine o'clock <laughs> class, and uh-huh. like I wanted to be. We didn't even touch on yoga pants. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started. <laughs> Listen, bury me in my yoga pants is all I have to say because it is my favorite thing to wear. It is the most comfortable. They thing look I've like ever the owned. most comfortable things. In the I world. recommend it to everyone.
0: I. C- like It's not culturally okay for men to sure. wear yoga pants yet, I hope, but one day we then. will get there and I will wear them. It's the best. I actually own a pair right now, if I'm going to be honest. It's a pink pair. I wore it for like a dodgeball tournament. It was one of the most comfortable but, nights of my life.
1: It's unbelievable. Yeah. I work from home, so they are my uniform. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I wasn't going to show up in a bikini to my classes, but I was going to show up in a sweatshirt and yoga pants because it was nine o'clock at night and I wanted to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. When I go to work, I'm not going to show cleavage because that's not... That's not culturally acceptable. If I go out to a bar, yeah, I might have some cleavage showing because, like, that's a more culturally approach Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. Out. <laughs> we might have to edit that out. Um, I, sorry, I just had a moment where I thought to myself, "Who's listening to this?"
0: Um, maybe so have you maybe, seen I mean, her at a bar? <laughs> um, maybe I'll just,
1: hold on, I'll say this. I I'm not gonna wear to work what I would wear.
0: Yes. To yes.
1: a night out on the town. We don't need to get into
0: cleavage specifically.
1: <laughs> um, I'm not, I don't even want to say bar. I'm not going to But wear... if you
0: see Sarah with cleavage at a bar, you know why Yeah, now. you
1: should tell her, or you should be like, hey, your body belongs to you. Yeah. Um, that's what you should yeah. say to me. Oh, my mom and dad. And to her future so... husband. My mom and dad. Yeah, and to my future husband. And my mom and dad are going to be so proud. Um, But I'm not going to wear- like. A night out with my friends, what I'm wearing then is going to be different than what yes. I wear to work, than what I wear to the a occasion wedding. calls for something
0: differently. To yeah, if funeral. you're at a wedding, you're going to wear a dress.
1: Right, right. So it's, uh, I think that obviously use wisdom, um, but be more concerned about the posture of your heart than um, your, someone else's, than someone else's clothing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. items of clothing, and or well, someone
0: else's posture of their heart. Like you shouldn't right. be worried about hmm are the guys in my class going to be thinking certain ways about me right now there are some times where we wear certain clothing because we want people to see like oh look i'm creative or i'm artsy there's nothing necessarily wrong with that Um, but when you're trying to either one you're wearing clothing to gain love Mm -hmm. one it's not that i'm going to get mad at you it's just like man i want you to feel love outside of that yeah like you don't have to wear something specifically to get love but two that's like on the wearing end but if on two it's like it's not your fault if johnny thinks that your sweatshirt that's covering your whole body is making you really hot. You shouldn't be thinking about Johnny when you're deciding what to wear. Unless if I'm going into a business meeting with Johnny, what should I wear? That's a contextual thing. Uh, but when it's just like a random passerby, I don't know, how are they going to think about me? I don't think you should be thinking about that. It's on them.
1: And I only have to worry about Johnny in a business meeting when I say something, no one listens to me, and then Johnny says the exact same thing, and everyone is like, <laughs> brilliant, yes, promote him. That's the only way I should be thinking about him. Uh,
0: I feel bad because I'm Johnny sometimes, and it's not like with like speaking over women and taking their ideas. Right. It's more just taking everyone else's jokes because people sometimes aren't confident in saying their jokes, but I'm just confident with everything I say. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, wow, Colton's really confident about these things. Don't take that as I know exactly what I'm saying. Take that as I am an eight on the Enneagram, and I just exude (laughs) confidence and bravado without trying. There you go. Um, But I I take jokes just because I'm going to say them louder, and I know they were a funny joke because I heard it first. Absolutely. Um, And the guy's too quiet to actually talk back to me, so I win. (laughs) There you go.
1: Well, and I think it's important to, like, I think my own journey out of modesty culture has allowed me to like myself more than I ever have Um, Mm -hmm. because coming out of the mindset that my body was a source of shame or that could be a tool for sin. I actually can delight in who God made me to be and how he made me to look. And um, I can take joy in that now in a way that wasn't possible for me Mm -hmm. um, when I still thought that I was merely a sexual object. Yeah,
0: that's good. What would be your hope for the church in talking about this? Because again, we can try to change secular culture. We can try, sure, um, but it has to start in house first. Yeah, like we can't just go to schools and tell principals that they can't send girls home for wearing uh, tank tops. Although you should, <laughs> you should go do that. You do that. Um, but you can't force them to change. But the church, we have some ownership in it. Mm-hmm. Like we are a part of this body. There's a unity here. Um, so how should the church, again, not be talking about modesty? Because modesty isn't what we're talking about actually today. Um, but be talking about how women and men, but mostly women are wearing clothes or clothes and what, how should we be approaching kind of the whole lust and clothing debate?
1: What I would love to see in the church, um, again, like I said at the beginning of this, I don't know what they talk to boys about when they split us up.
0: And I'm here to say, I don't know what they talk to boys about (laughs) because I was in those meetings and I don't remember a thing other sure. than to bounce your eyes. That right. was it. That's right. the only thing most guys that have internalized.
1: That that, that that works, right? Um,
0: I still think girls are attractive. Okay.
1: Well, um, clearly a fail then. And it doesn't
0: matter what they wear. Mm-hmm. It matters who they are. Yeah. Um, so if I think a girl is attractive, it doesn't matter what she's wearing day to day. I think she's attractive.
1: Right. <laughs> no amount of bouncing your eyes will change that. It's
0: not going to change that sexual attraction yeah. rises up inside of me. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Oh, weird. I thought that was a foolproof thing. No. What I would- look- I do
0: know that we won dodgeball games. Um, well- My yeah. group of boys, because of all the sexual pent-up <laughs> uh, like, testosterone that sure, was building, because sure. we're all talking about sex, but like in a masquerading way, when we play dodgeball, we got a little bit of more oomph yeah. in our throws. So Absolutely. So my, my team's always won. Good for so, you. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you.
1: I, I would love to, to have the next generation of young Christian men- Um, be told that with as much intensity as I was told to not wear a tank top, to have them told by men that they love and respect and look up to, that they should see their sisters as full human beings, Mm -hmm. uh, that they should respect them, that they should, um, learn from them, that they have things, um to respect about them Mm -hmm. uh, so that the idea of using their friends, their sisters, their girlfriends as an object for their own consumption is entirely foreign to them. Mm
0: -hmm. It's preposterous. It's insane. I respect and value them so much that even for a second, and that it may happen, but even for a second to lust after them, to objectify them, it should, it should disgust you. Right. It's just like if you have a a really close friend that you look up to and, and admire and respect, and then someone asks you, Hey, Go steal $500 from them. Mm-hmm. That thought of betraying them that way should absolutely just yeah. disgust you. Yep. Um, but we're not. I, maybe we're not teaching enough. Res- I mean, maybe yep. <laughs> we're yep. not teaching enough respect of women to our men, so right. that it's really hard then when it comes to objectification, because we, right. we don't have enough of a dignity with them right. that I kind of just can use them.
1: And that that should be like deeply rooted in our understanding of women fully bearing the Imago Dei of being image clean- of
0: God. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> <Latin. laughs> we didn't
1: go to seminary, um, but bearing the image of God and being people worthy of our respect, it always cracks me up when you see you know some news story breaking about someone a man who turned out to be a sexual predator or someone oh, saying shocking. something disrespectful <laughs> about women and you these men come out of the woodwork and are like as a father of daughters or <laughs> as a someone who respects their wife very much or who my mother raised me uh, you will never ever hear a woman say I thought men were garbage and then my son was born and it changed my life and how I view them. And Mm -hmm. now I see men are people and worthy Mm -hmm. of basic dignity Mm -hmm. and respect. Like I I applaud people wanting to be like, women are great, but maybe you shouldn't have to be biologically related to one to see them as a human person. So I I want young men to from the womb be told that women are human people worthy of, Mm -hmm. of respect and dignity. And I think too of, Like you were talking about Brock Turner earlier, who, for those of you who don't know, Brock Turner was convicted of raping an unconscious woman behind a building. He Um, was
0: labeled as a Stanford swimmer. Stanford
1: swimmer. Yep, that's the most important (laughs) thing to know.
0: Not a rapist, but a Stanford swimmer.
1: And he only got six months in jail.
0: Three months, because he he got out on parole after three months. He must be white.
1: Um, (laughs) He is white. He is white. (laughs) But I I think of um, the young men who actually stopped the attack. Mm -hmm. Um, They were – I believe they were um, exchange students from, like, Sweden or Norway or something, which, very interesting, that part of the world has, like, such good sex education because it's Mm -hmm. all about consent and respect Mm -hmm. and dignity. Mm -hmm. And these men stopped the attack and – I believe when they were giving their testimony some of them even wept on the stand because they mm-hmm. were so horrified by what they saw mm-hmm. and that's what I want that to be the mark of a of a of a man who's a believer. I want oh, that to yeah. be a mark of discipleship.
0: When and, you hear when you hear on the news a Harvey Weinstein case mm-hmm. or Bill Cosby or something mm-hmm. you as a Christian man that should strike you to the core mm-hmm. as such a degradation yeah. of someone who deserves so much value and respect that it rocks you to the core and not your first thought should not be But I really like that actor or he was a really great pastor, though. Or I wonder if she's lying. Right. Um, That should not be your first thought. Maybe you can get to that eventually. Maybe you can have because there's nuance and complexity in our human hearts and minds. But your first thought Mm -hmm. and your deep thought (laughs) should be utter compassion and understanding and acceptance and listening.
1: Right. I also – and you can edit this out later if you want, um, and I won't blame you. But I, I, if I'm not
0: editing out the cleavage comment, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to edit this one out.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Mom and Dad. Um, but I also think that uh, – I remember a, a man that I follow on Twitter, um, Kyle Howard, tweeted out that what if evangelical men – held um, the Imago Day and their Sisters in Christ so highly that when they heard their president uh, call a woman a dog, that they their first reaction was to weep. Mm-hmm. When they heard their now president talk about grabbing a woman by the pussy because you can do mm-hmm. whatever you want when you're famous, mm-hmm. it actually, that is such a core deep conviction in them mm-hmm. that they they don't have a choice but to not support him um that to me is is a is a tremendous measure of whether or not y- you respect women or or mm-hmm. think that they have bodily autonomy mm-hmm. um, but that is also weirdly because we think that the only s- sexual ethics we have in Christianity is just stay a virgin till you're married mm-hmm. um, we've, we've mm-hmm. missed it in that mm-hmm. context um but also in in coming back to your original question the church <laughs> um, I want young women to be raised to, know that they're in charge of what Mm -hmm. happens to their bodies that, um, they're, I want them to like themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want them to delight in how they're made. Um, and also feel like, um, they have voice and agency and choice, um, and that their bodies are for them, um, to, to, dance to climb a mountain to To create to to build to uh to ride a bike to bring children into the world mm -hmm. if they want um to create and sustain life um and i want them to i want them to find god in those places
0: yeah i'm not gonna edit that out (laughs) uh just so everyone listening knows that and the reason i'm not gonna that because i want to say this now i'm going to say it at the beginning as well um is that if sarah Condemning the president for some comments that he made that we should all agree were wrong comments, regardless of how you feel about his presidency and how he does things, or for her using the the genital p word um, offends you. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's allowed. It's that's offensive. totally fine. It is offensive because it should be. But two, if that makes you want to view her in a different way or view her as a filthy mouthed wife, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is Chrissy Tegan, um, <laughs> that's okay but I want you to be just as upset as the stories we just talked about about rape just as upset as those things we just talked about Brock Turner getting off after three months if what Sarah said there upset you that's okay but I would ask that you also get upset at what's happening in America and what's happening to our women Amen. and so with that um, we're going to end this (laughs) we're going to call it a podcast (laughs) thanks Sarah I appreciate it thanks for having me We hope that Sarah's words today gave you just a better understanding of what modesty is, a better understanding of what your body is and how it is good and how it is loved by God, and ultimately a hope for your sexuality, for your body, and for the choices of clothes that you wear from day to day. As always, we want to acknowledge that this episode may have triggered you. It may have brought up old sexual abuse. It may have brought up old negative sexual behaviors. It may have even stirred up old wounds. With all of these things, talk to someone you trust about it. Don't hold these things just to yourself. Bring people into your life and your sexuality. And again, if you could leave us a review or share this episode with someone you think it might impact, this all greatly helps us do what we are trying to do on this podcast which is bring hope to those who are struggling with their sexuality who are struggling with their sexual lives who are struggling with even the idea of what it means to be sexual and all these things we hope that joy and peace and love and security and happiness and all the fruits of the spirit rise up inside of you and give you the hope that you've been looking for in this topic And as always, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound.